millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. You're listening to The Sound of London. This is Londonist Out Loud. I'm in Quentin Wolfe. Now, the High Command at Londonist HQ has asked me to flag up a range of merchandise. Tell them about the T-shirts, they said. Do they know that there's a massive discount available? And uh, it takes me a while to work up into a fully commercial state. So about midway through the show, I'm going to tell you how you can get 20% off a Londonist Out Loud t-shirt but for now i'm going to take an altogether subtler approach listener i want you to imagine uh, two photographs next to each other and the one on the left is someone wearing a plain non-londonist out loud t-shirt the model appears wan and dissatisfied the photograph has been taken at a slightly odd angle revealing the model's lumpy bits in an entirely unflattering fashion his physical imperfections are all too apparent and i've also used a special filter to make the light appear faint and pale all colour has been drained from the picture. On the right, meanwhile, we have a picture of somebody wearing a London Out Loud t-shirt. And they look happy. This person is attractive and successful, and they're probably having a lot of sex. So there you go, you see. Subtlety. Hey baby, let me take you down to a place of strange sights and sound. You ain't never seen the light before. Just a stone through from your front. from a sunny Victoria Embankment Gardens. Uh, listener, I would like to introduce you to the person who is going to take us on a, a sort of tour today, unusually a tour of something that doesn't yet exist. He is Chris Roberts. He's a uh, tour guide. He's also the author of Cross River Traffic, a history of London bridges. Hi, Chris. Hi, hello. We'd better set out our stall, first of all. What are we here to look at? So we're here to talk about the Garden Bridge and... Uh, the sort of slightly ironic situation of somebody who loves London's bridges and has written a book about them opposing the building of it, which we'll, we'll come on to talking about that later. The gardens we're walking through are quite an interesting uh, construct. Though they are a public park, they're a result of a campaign by uh, a man called W.H. Smith. He was in the Queen's Navy, he's in HMS Pinafore, he's a man satirised in, in that light operetta. And he led the campaign. He's also the son of the guy who set up the news agent chain. He headed up a campaign to have this made into a public space when the government, after the uh, embankment was built, 
we're going to have lots of kind of private offices and um, hotels and whatever buildings. And the idea was that they, they, would, they would make so much money off these buildings they would abolish income tax. And uh, WH Smith thought it would be better to have a public park. And so that's what we're strolling through on the, on the way. Um, it's, it's an example of a London park that can, came about. Can I just say, reasons. on behalf of everyone in the country, we hate you, WH Smith. <laughs> I don't think it would have succeeded. I mean, a government says it's going to abolish income tax. I think it's Palmerston's government. I, they, they'd, have, they'd have found some other reason, but yeah. It's a picturesque spot. It's got a touch of the tropical about it, and you may know it as the bit of greenery as you come out of Embankment Station. It's much needed, I'd say. There's nowhere else where you can sit and have your lunchtime sandwiches. No, that's true, and there's London's, I think, most uh, egregious might be the word statue, which we're going to walk past later, which is of uh, the uh, Doyley Courts. And uh, it's of a young woman, a young Victorian, a full-breasted young Victorian nymphette, banging her head and bashing her fists against a statue atop which is a man with a bushy moustache. And it's a memorial to uh, Gilbert of Gilbert and Sullivan fame. And the idea being is that Victorian maidenhood are outraged that he won't be writing any more light operettas anymore and that their life isn't worth living. <laughs> so they pound their heads and fists on his tomb, bewailing the fact that he's no longer with us to light, <laughs> write light symphonies. There may be a similar level of anguish going on as we move into the topic of the Garden Bridge. Should we sketch out what the Garden Bridge is all about for those who haven't come across the idea yet? I, I think the important thing is that it's a complete misnomer because it isn't a bridge in, in the sense that we think of. It crosses the Thames and it has a garden on it but it closes at night. If there's eight of you, uh, you need to book to go on it, and there's no cyclists allowed on it. So it's, it's not a bridge in the established sense. Neither is it, in, a, in another sense, a kind of public park. Although, because public parks close at night, you don't have to book to go in, and we didn't have to go through any kind of security check now to walk into this park. So it's not a bridge, and it's not a public park, and yet it's been funded by the London taxpayer and also TfL, who are putting money into it, even though it's not a transport solution. Um, so that's the Garden Bridge in a nutshell. It's not a bridge, it's not a transport solution, it's not, a, it's not really a public park, so why are we paying for it? OK, these are the points of principle we're going to be drilling into. I suppose I should uh, just put something on the other side of the scales. Is it a done deal? We should tell you, there's an organisation called Thames Central Open Spaces who are opposing the bridge, and they've got a legal injunction to preserve some of the land on the south side where it's going to be built near Coin Street and the idea is that they want that uh, parkland this is another irony of the garden bridge is that 30 mature trees will be cut down to build it so you're, you're building a garden but you're cutting down a small sort of copse or forest so they're campaigning to have that area um, an area of local interest where you can't change its use. So there is a, a legal process that's begun. Thereby nobbling it. Thereby nobbling it because you can't build on that in the same way that that lovely pub in Nunhead, the name of which is eluding me, you can't stop it being a pub because the locals want it to be a pub. That legal process has been okayed by Lambeth Council and there's a review in six months. So that it, it's not stopped yet, but that's one of the... Uh, one of the routes by which it could be stopped is to have that area that they can't build on anymore. So it's still hanging in the balance. But I, I wanted to check, and you described it as not a bridge, but will the punter be able to traverse from one side of the river to yes. the other? So it is, yes, so it, it, it is a bridge, but it's not open all It closes at night, so you won't be able to use it then. And groups of people traversing will have to book to go on it. So as an individual, you could walk across. You could, I mean, it's a pretty, very nice place to have your lunch. I mean, it's quite a beautiful thing as, as an object. It's, um, it's more whether 
in a, in a city that needs green space and needs transport solutions and bridge crossings, whether putting it in a place that already has green spaces to some extent and certainly has a lot of bridge crossings, whether it's the best place for it, that's another sort of angle into it. I would personally feel far happier about it if A, it was open 24 hours and B, it was over in Nine Elms or some other part of the river that doesn't have as many crossings as, as a particular stretch it's been built on. Well, now, as soon as these facts all start to line up, it sounds very much as though one of the reasons that you could get away with shutting it at night is precisely because there are other ways to cross the river here. Yes, you could, but then why is uh, £30 million of TFL money being put forward to something that isn't a transport solution? It's clearly not functioning as a, <laughs> as, as, as a crossing for the, for over the hours of darkness, which obviously would fluctuate. I'm assuming that it would open for longer in the summer and uh, less, less time in, in, the, in the winter. I wonder if this is to avoid uh, vandalism and canoodling. I'm certain it's to do with avoiding vandalism and canoodling. And it oh, sorry, is street, uh, street art and community building. Street art and community building, yes, yes. It's been, uh, relationship building, I think. <laughs> um, yes, yes, it is. And there, there, is a, there is a fear of vandalism. There is a fear, uh, which is why you've got the uh, security measures on it as well. To me, you know, it feels more and more, it doesn't feel like it's a, it's a publicly owned thing, even though we're paying for it. And it, 30 million off TFL is augmented by other taxpayers' money going into it, including from Lambeth Council, who are cutting back their own parks provision elsewhere in South London. So, you know, you, you, you have a council that's helped with the planning commission, put some money towards this, and yet they are now charging for fireworks at Brockwell Park. They're laying people off in their own green spaces that they already have, and yet they're facilitating this one that is kind of not really for the people of Lambeth, certainly, many of whom who live around there are objecting quite strenuously. It's, it's difficult, of course, not to... Well, <laughs> difficult to be heard. <laughs> cue, cue the Morgan and Wise ice cream band. Yes, yeah, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> it sounds as though this uh, has resonances of the cable car all over it. Have what? I missed the part where an entry fee gets paid? I mean, no, no, there is, there is no entry fee. No, there's, I, I like the idea of a dress code, by the way. They probably haven't gone, but I love the idea. Now, you can't come on the garden bridge, you're not cutting a trowel. You're not kind of, <laughs> I love the idea of that. But, um, no, I mean, I don't want to get too political about it because, I mean, it's an easy gag. A bus nobody asks for, a cable car nobody uses, and our bridge nobody wants. You know, you can you can lump all that in, and it's in, in that sense there is a certain Mayor Johnson aspect to it. But that my, my opposition to it isn't driven by that. My opposition to it is driven by London needs bridges, it needs transport solutions, and it needs green space. And this kind of doesn't really offer any of those... To, for any any appreciable number of, number of everyday Londoners who are, after all, paying for it, in part. I always enjoy those juicy statistics along the lines of this is going to cost every Londoner X amount. <laughs> it's not going to cost them that much. I, I'm going to drill down to it on too much. It's, um, it's roughly £70 million of public money, 65000000 million of public money, of which £30 million is coming from TfL and 35 from from other sources. So, um, so it's not going to cost everyday Londoners very much money, but I, I would suggest that £65 million could be really well spent across London on parks. You could do a lot more with that money than, as I say, build another tourist attraction. It It is, in in a sense, a tourist attraction using public money, a private private space. And I suppose my main opposition is not, in this case, about Mayor Johnson's policies or anything. It is more, it cuts into that idea of what is private, what is public in central London. And... There are many spaces that 
are public but pretend to be private. There's a kind of social exclusion there. There are spaces that are private, and that's you know, that's fair enough. If it's somebody's land, then they they have rights to maintain some control over it. This seems to sit somewhere in the middle, where the the, the public is being asked to stump up money for something that is essentially a private leisure project. Um, Let's imagine that public funding is being used to build a library. You wouldn't expect the library to be open 24 hours. That wouldn't be a valid objection there, would it? You, um, you'd expect there to be certain restrictions and rules in order to govern the thing properly. Yes, you would, although uh, just, just, to, just to sidestep that one quite neatly, you might expect the library to pre- provide 24-hour access for uh, electronic learning resources on that. Also, you would not expect the library to, um, <laughs> to... You wouldn't have to book to use the library ever. I, I think that's... Uh, that's another factor. No, I mean, I, I, I can understand the idea of the tube is going 24 hours, I, I, oddly enough, and it, that's not open all the time. But the idea of something like a bridge that crosses the river that um, I think could be such a useful thing. In an, I, I'm picking on Nine Elms, um, but if you go further east of Tubby's, it is screaming out for, for, for transport solutions that aren't cable cars. And I, I should address the cable issue. I really like the cable car. I think it's silly. I'm not against follies. I think it's lovely. I think it has great views. I think it's completely daft and it's, you know, on a, on a strictly monetary sense, it's probably a bad idea. But I'm not against follies. London is full of follies and I'm, neither am I against gardens and neither am I against bridges. It's just, this seems, a, this seems such a con job on, 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 on London that's put together and sort of rushing through. And I think, I suppose, if I was going to isolate my real opposition, it is around that use of public money, public space, private space, who runs it, who owns it, and the kind of vanity of putting something like this there with no reference to the community on the south side who are massively opposed to it or any kind of historical resonance. It's just, it could go anywhere. Uh, Birmingham would like this. Birmingham would like a garden bridge, I think. Uh, Wrexham would like a garden bridge over the River Gwemvor or the Tyne Tea. Anyway, I, I just think it's, it's, a, it's a slightly cavalier approach to what is already a very busy centre of world tourism. Why, why, why have it there? Why not, why not use it to regenerate an area? Erith, Erith could do with a bridge. You know, if you're talking London terms. So I, I suppose there's this kind of swirling mass of opposition in, in my head. I, I know other people have different objections, along kind of London cyclists are very big on that angle, and the Green Party are on a different angle, and the architectural environmentalists who are worried about the view of St Paul's. There's all this other stuff as well. But my, my, my chief thing is it is about public money, private space, public space, and uh, how much better it could be elsewhere, I, I feel. We may drift back to that subject of public and private space. We've done that a bit. We've been on the South Bank before. We've been uh, climbing down manholes in this area, and that subject came up. And there's a very good reason, actually, why we're recording on the North Bank rather than the South, because uh, it's very difficult to do so down south without a security guard tapping on your shoulder. That's quite a lot. I've come across, because as, as a tour guide, I know there are places that I used to really just take groups through, uh, Hayes Galleria, Borough Market, where they're very touchy. Now, Hayes Galleria kind of okay about it, but they're, they're kind of touchy about having tour guides taking people through their space. Canary um, Wharf. Uh, Canary, yeah, we've just started doing tours in Canary. I'm not going to plug my walking tours, I'm going to leave that. But yes, I, I wasn't aware of quite how severe it was on the South Bank. And until you mentioned it and that is very worrying I know a lot more of stories about people taking photos and, 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 be, and being stopped unless you, unless you visibly look like whatever the security guard stroke police stroke whoever think of as a traditional tourist if you get a camera out in central London it can be a real um, it can be a real issue <laughs> I've had a similar concern uh, from my work for obvious reasons I've been considering the best way to transport a mic stand 
and I've discovered that attaching a strap to it is a really, really bad idea. Yes, no, I, I yeah. <laughs> I've, I've lived to tell the tale. I mean, when I did the when I did the Bridges book, I mean, this is this is a personal solution to it. When I was researching cross river traffic, the first thing I did was make friends with the river police because I knew I was going to be down on the waterfront taking photos of the bridges all the time, so from underneath and whatever. So I made friends with them, and and that was great because then they they could kind of pass the word down the river. So if um, Oh, I sat bloke again. He said, "No, it's all right. No, we've interviewed him. You know, we, we kind of know who he is." I, but you can't do that. You can't do that for thousands and thousands of people. That was a very kind of specific one-off thing. Um, yeah, you, you you can't get a, a pass from the police. You can't expect that. For so, I, I am I am very worried about the use of um, how formally public space is becoming private and how, how people are excluded on that and how the law is being used in slightly worrying ways to control behaviour in 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 spaces. And I. I and the, the the bridge actually a lot of the crystallises around the bridge the idea that you have to book if you're a group the uh, idea that you you can't cycle across I can kind of understand if that's a public park but not if it's been again mooted as a transport solution I think I think it's one or the other I think it needs and I think this there's a sort of duplicity in how it's been presented so if they've been a bit more honest about it to begin with they said well okay we're going to build this beautiful and it is a very attractive thing in the Thames uh, it's going to be publicly funded but it's going to be sort of privately privately run it's a, it's a charity actually runs it um, and, and it, they hadn't raided Transport for London's budget or they hadn't kind of tried to slip it through planning on different ways that I think a, a much more open debate would have been had because most people if you say to it I mean I, I've had this myself I say um I said, I'm doing this walking tour against the Garden Bridge. It's a fundraiser. And I go, oh, I really like the idea of the Garden Bridge. And then you say to them, yeah, but you've got to book to go on it, and it closes at night. And they go, oh. And, and that's, it's that sort of um, lack of awareness. So part of the reason why I wanted to do the tour and um, publicise the campaign against it a little bit is the... Um, I don't think the debate's been had. I think if people realise what it actually is, there'll be a lot more opposition. I'm, I, I might be speaking out of turn here because I'm aware that Twitter is very self-selecting in some ways but I, I inhabit the London nerd sphere obviously given my interests and my uh, one of my jobs and I, I, I've rarely seen anything I can't think of anything where nobody seems to be speaking up for this thing the bloggers the writers the people who um, are interested in London there, there isn't a, and that's an argumentative bunch of people um, will argue over anything some people think Midtown renames a good idea uh, some people don't. Any, any controversy will have two sides. And I, I'm not getting two sides in this. I don't know where the uh, support for it is, apart from um, people who put it together and brought it through. But obviously, I, I, I don't know. I genuinely don't know. Get them on the show. Ask them. I don't know. I don't know who they are. I, I do know a bit about the Thames Central Open Spaces people, and they're, they're sort of linked to the, the, the coin street community and they're based on they're based on a south bank and their their angle is 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 very much more about um disruption to the south bank and changing use and cutting down trees and all, all, all of this sort of this sort of thing um so maybe there should be a london nerds for the bridge group i mean we could we could have a i don't know we could have a nerd off we could have a competition we could have i i don't know i i'd, I'd kind of welcome it because i'd really just welcome a debate about it the evening standard have interests in the bridge so it's not going to come from there People opposing me have been, have been accused of being kind of spiteful and childish, and they were a bit upset when Grayson Perry said he was opposed to it, like like you're being spoiled, like you're taking away someone's toys. But I, I think there you are know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of really creative, brilliant people in London doing wonderful, creative, lovely things, and they don't all get sulky and annoyed when somebody denies them 65 million. They just get on and do it. And I, there, there is this attitude of, we've got this great new toy, we've got this great new toy. 
why can't we have it? Like, oh, yeah, well, how could you possibly not want us to have our toy? Because it's costing London money and it's costing, it's not doing a valuable service for the people of the city and it needs to be presented in those lights. So, yeah, please, London nerds in favour of the bridge, get in touch. We'll have a debate. What's that you say? A T-shirt? Well, by coincidence, yes, we are selling T-shirts. And Londonist has a wide range of cool T-shirts to choose from. But the one with which you should be concerning yourself, listener, is the Londonist Out Loud T-shirt for several reasons, uh, which I will enumerate. We produce this podcast every week. It's free to listen to. You can download it. You can take it anywhere you want. And we've been doing that for quite a few years. But we've got to eat as well. Uh, An excellent way of showing your support for the podcast uh, in the manner of one of those donation boxes that you get on bits of software online and apps and so forth. We would love you to support us by buying a T-shirt, a Londonist Out Loud uh, T-shirt. They are, in fact, cool. That is the official word. And they come in a range of sizes from small to three XXL. So you and a couple of medium-sized... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com ACAST. Friends could buy one between you and party. They are available in male and female styling and a range of colours including black, navy or grey. It's extremely easy to lay your hands on one of these. If you're coming to us via the Londonist site, go to the show notes on the individual episode. If we're coming to you via Acast, then a link to buy a t-shirt is going to pop up. Wait for it. Now, stick in the discount code OUTLOUD20, and that's number 20, OUTLOUD20, and you'll get 20% off. You'll look like a million dollars, you'll be spreading the good word about the show. And there may be health benefits too, so long as at the same time as buying this t-shirt, you start eating much more healthily. I thank you. Well now, which, which is, with your knowledge of London's bridges, which is the bridge that finds most favour in your eyes? Uh, that's a very easy question now, it's Waterloo. Uh, Waterloo for the views and the historical association and the, the romance of the romance of Waterloo Bridge, the film. Waterloo Sunset obviously is the best I think the best song about London. Although interesting fun fact, it was actually originally going to be called Liverpool Sunset. And uh, Ray Davis, somebody had a word with Ray Davis, said, look, why don't you write about something you love rather than kind of celebrating something that you might like? Why don't you write about your own? He he wrote it 
as a kind of eulogy to the way that Lennon and McCartney were writing about Penny Lane and um, Strawberry Fields and a place in Liverpool. And so he was kind of doing a pastiche of what they did. And so he said, well, why don't you do something about something you love? And he wrote Waterloo Bridge. So, Waterloo Sunset. So I... Um, yeah, Waterloo Bridge. If you want a second place, I think it's got to be Battersea Bridge for its kind of intense beauty. I've got an architectural friend of mine called Sean Griffiths, and he, he described it as Joy Division to Albert Bridge's Kylie. And, I just, and, and it's the best, the most beautiful description of it because it's this kind of very beautiful Moorish intensity to it. It's kind of low level, no bright lights. And I, I, I'm a very big fan of Battersea Bridge. Uh, so, but definitely Waterloo in the lead. And... Uh, Oh, and we've just, uh, just at a perfect moment, arrived at the disembodied head of uh, Arthur Sullivan, complete with moustache, and a, a woman bewailing the loss of her librettos. That's, that's basically it. it and and it, there's, a, there's a, what looks like a lute and some song sheets down, uh, down, down at her feet as well as she, she moans, the, uh, moans the passing of great comic opera. It's almost indecent. It, it is almost. I mean, she, her... her um, uh, are we allowed to say erect nipple on the radio? I'm not quite sure, but... Um, no, d- I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> you better cut that bit out then. Uh, a pert. She is pert. She, she's uh, naked from the waist up. And her, the, the, it's, 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 quite a saucy, it's quite a saucy number. Well, and he's got a pigeon on his head, which is perfect. <laughs> I think the, I think the <laughs> positioning of... Uh, I don't think we can say this either. <laughs> no, I, I'm not sure. I, I mean, if, you've only got to look. I mean, it's just, it's, I, I would recommend a visit to, to, a visit to the gardens here, just near the yes, Savoy. If you wish to see Arthur Sullivan being indecent. Yes, uh, that's probably a very good... His moustache is very bushy and bristly as well, which uh, doesn't help. Hurt even. Hurt even, yes. <laughs> We've talked... An awful lot about certain bridges. For example, London Bridge, we've done to death on this show. We know everything. Oh, okay. we've, we've studied the I individual talk- stones of London <laughs> yeah, Bridge. Yeah. Um, where they're scattered. <laughs> yes, precisely so, yes, the distribution. What about the less well-known bridges in London? For example, I don't think anybody's ever mentioned Richmond Bridge on the podcast. Um, no, there might be a reason for that, because <laughs> to, to, to put it historically, when I, when I, did, when I wrote Crossover Traffic, yeah, obviously you decide which bridges you're going to include, and you have to work out a definition of what London is. Uh, hello. There are many possible Londons. You can have the M25, so you'd have the Dartford Bridge, uh, Queen Elizabeth Bridge, or is it the GLA area, or is it? And do you, you know, what, what bridges do you include? What bridges you don't? And I decided to use the my definition of London, the original Greater London London County Council boundary, where London stops at Hammersmith. So my last bridge in the book is actually Hammersmith, which doesn't help Richmond. And the reason I excluded some of those bridges is because the history of London London Bridge is that there was only one London Bridge, and they kept it that way. The city authorities and places like Kingston had a bridge, and that was that was so far away it wasn't a threat to the city of London. And so what you get in 1750s when Westminster Bridge is built, suddenly the shape of modern London starts spreading along the river. But until then, so I, I, I think Richmond Bridge is a very beautiful bridge, but I, I didn't really mention it in the book because um, I saw it as part of Richmond, not part of London. I, and I believe Richmond was a later addition. It wasn't part of the even the original Greater London Council. It was part of the, it's part of the current Greater London Authority, but it's not part of... Um, it's not part of London, hence it's technically not a bridge, not, not a London bridge. Maybe that's why no one's mentioned it. Well, this is a good way to keep your word count down, I can see that. Um, what, about, <laughs> what, what about in terms of the, uh, the lesser-known bridges? Um, I, I'm a really big fan of the footbridge that runs alongside um, Putney Rail Bridge. So you, you, you have Putney Bridge, which is beautiful, built by, built by Basil, a very gorgeous bridge. And then um, you have Fulham-Putney Crossing Railway Bridge. 
and alongside it there, there's a footbridge. Now this is all a bit girdery down that neck of the woods, isn't it? It is a bit girdery, yes, on, on that one. It's, um, so th- it's not particularly beautiful, but it is... Um, I, I was actually a fan. I came to London when the Hungerford Bridge was still there, the, one that, the, the footbridge alongside the railway. And I used to really like that. It was dark and it was... I, it, I mean, it was horrible if you if you any kind of disability. It was fairly horrible if you couldn't run very fast. It was murky. It was um, threatening. Um, everything one is looking for. Everything, everything is only looking for a bridge. And I, but I kind of liked it because I think London needs its dark spots, which have been rather erased away. And um, it's also the bridge that uh, oh, famous Labour MP gay bloke had a blowjob from a policeman on. And he uh, he basically walks past the copper, raises his eyebrow. The copper get and then he gets to his knees in front of the copper. Uh, Felicio takes place, and then he gets up and walks off. And there's never a there's never a word exchanged between them. That was on Hungerford Bridge. So um, you know it's it's a loss to the community having this wide open access spaces that everyone can see. I strongly <laughs> sense a large allegedly descending upon us. <laughs> Possibly. No, I think it's in his. Yeah, I think it's actually in his biography. I was and wondering I, how I anybody knew name. about it. If, if no, nobody he, spoke. He mentioned it. it. No, he, he mentioned it in his biography. It's just, um, that Lambert Bridge follows the route of an old. Uh, there's a horse ferry near there, um, so that was a traditional crossing point. What are, what are the bridges? Well, well, hang on, I realise I know nothing about the horse ferries. There, okay, well, um, London, London. You can read London's history by the names of its streets. So uh, you have <laughs> Savoy. Yeah, the Savoy Palace here. We're, we're near Savoy Way and Savoy Place, but. Um, the Horse Ferry Road is named after the Horse Ferry that was formerly owned by the Archbishop of Canterbury in the church. They had a monopoly on the Horse Ferry. But what is a Horse Ferry? Is, it, is this like a system of bullies or something? No, no, oh, sorry. Oh, no, that would be lovely. No, uh, it, 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 is, it is a large flat barge whereby horses can be used to float across the river. So um, you have the idea of a car ferry today. It's just a horse oh, ferry. I see, it's, a, it's a ferry full of horses. A ferry full of horses. It's not a ferry pulled by horses. It is a, a large uh, barge so that horses could cross on it because the uh, the watermen who rode people across kind of objected if you wanted to put Mr. Ed in the back with you because the boat would... So you had to have special places for horse crossing and a horse ferry or horse passengers used to cross at Lambeth, near Lambeth Palace. And that's pretty much on the site of where the bridge, the Lambeth, Lambeth Bridge is today. Did you throw, and I, I asked this to somebody who's only in the last week for the first time gone through the Greenwich Foot Tunnel, did you look at any other ways of getting across the I, Thames? I, I covered them in a kind of appendix where I, because I, I, I was very interested in the Greenwich Foot Tunnel, and also there was a foot tunnel near where Tower Bridge is that, that existed for a while, and that, that was closed down and then filled up and used for cabling and uh, all kinds of ele- electrical gas, that kind of thing, telecommunications, so... There, there, there were those two crossings and also, also the Woolwich Ferry. So I was interested in, in how people crossed the river and I was particularly interested in pedestrian traffic because I, I didn't really cover the railway bridges. I talked about how people could go on foot or um, in, in vehicles across the bridges. It presents an engineering problem. Crossing the Thames is, is, is a problem and um, it's why there aren't any bridges out east. One, there, it's, it's an engineering thing. The Thames is a, a much fiercer river and also, of course, you had the... Um, shipping to negotiate and uh, I'm sure you've done the Tower Bridge thing Tower Bridge is built for the shipping but it's also built for the horses oh no we haven't done that ok right, ok we're back to horses well then there was a horse drawn economy until the 1920s and uh, when Tower Bridge is built in 1894 the um, the bridge had to be not only because 
the Pool of London still exists, so you know, you have to let him make ships through. Sorry, before you go, and I totally want to know this, but you're you're doing the uh, the gesture here of the the bascule oh, raising yes. and uh, for the shipping. Oh, and what I, what I'm imagining is uh, is a horse on on one side, and you're doing a kind of a flipping motion, and I'm imagining that this is how the horse gets across. No, no. Uh, right, uh, right. I, I won't do any flipping noises because it's rubbish on a radio show. But the 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 idea is that um, horses are pulling goods behind them and they really don't like a slope because if they're pulling goods up a slope it hurts so it pulls on the back and it pulls them backwards so what you need is a flat bridge and various solutions were offered in terms of pulling pulling horses up to levels or one of the ideas was to have a very 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 long bridge starting somewhere in Shoreditch and ending somewhere in uh, Elephant and Castle so it's a very gradual slope for the horses but the cost of that was just off the scale and so you, you can see that the current solution works very well you have a short gradient for the horses um, to, to pull up and then they can walk across a flat surface and then get out on the other side so it was it was designed everyone knows it was designed for shipping but actually it was designed with horses in mind as well so uh, I'm glad no one's done that I'm just, uh... well I've got no idea what you're talking about um, that, was a, that, was a, that was a good detail no I, I must have missed something here uh, oh no I understand completely what you're talking about right just, not, just, not open closed of course. Yes, closed. Yes, yes, yeah. I was yeah. trying to work yeah, you out. You swim they... now, Dobbin. Go on, jump <laughs> in. Yeah. yeah, they used to have the derby races and they kind of run over and just do that, yeah. That's exactly <laughs> That's a water did. jump and a <laughs> That would be brilliant, yeah. So nice that Horsley Down is on the other side, but that's another story. That's a whole other horse story there. Um, so, yeah, London is full of horse memorabilia. And we just passed the Camel Corps Memorial. We did, yes, a lot of people don't know about this one. Yeah. Uh, what do we know about the Camel Corps? Well, I, I'm not quite sure why they're memorial things. I, actually, I did know the answer. Uh, the Camel Corps were a British, <laughs> a British unit in the First and Second World War, uh, and um, they, they rode camels instead of horses, through, obviously, which is handy for desert warfare, and the memorial to Camel Corps is in, is in the parks, just actually near the embankment end. So uh, that's... Uh, <laughs> I don't, don't, let's not deviate, let's not deviate onto, onto, onto animal memorials. We, we could be a long time. Uh, in, inside my head, listener, there's a, a little bit of frantic debate going on about how I do a suitable link from camels to get to garden bridges again. Um, they're giving Londoners the hump. Yeah, no, no. That's rubbish. Uh, they'll have many plants from across the world there, some of which camels might like to eat. For want of anything better. <laughs> What's the timeline on the uh, garden bridge as it stands? I, I'm not. Well, they, they're already starting the the, the sounding. So there's there's a rig on the Thames that's checking out the soundings, which um, is going on. I mean, which was really stupid because they, they at the very point that the Thames Central Open Spaces people were getting militant and whatever, the soundings were taking place in front of Coin Street and obviously keeping people awake at night, moving the barge up and down. So uh, that might account for some of the opposition. This is presumably to see how solid the bed of the river is. See how, yes, how, how far they need to drag down, where the, where the solid points are to, to put the foundation in. So um, that, that's, that's going on a pace. The, the actual time frame, I, I, I'm not sure. I know that the, um, there's a six-month period where the open space at the South Bank is considered whether that's held sacred or not. So I don't think any build, no building can start for six months or until that review's over. No building would have started for six months anyway because they're, st- they're still doing the soundings. So we're not... It's not imminent that this, this bridge is suddenly going to appear, but um, it's past the planning stage, both Westminster and Lambeth councils. Although, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to say it, I've got an image in my head of people trying to pedal backwards. It does seem that Lambeth Council, at least, are backing away from this, like it's a slowly ticking bomb. They've kind of pushed it through, and this is why I think there should have been a better debate beforehand, because 
I don't think they realised that there was this opposition to it and it was just going through. And now they seem to be going, uh, yeah, okay, um, yeah, well, maybe we could put it up for review. Maybe we could do, maybe they could, it's too late, they passed the planning permission. So, um, but they, they do seem to be backtracking from it a little bit. I, I don't know much about Westminster, I, I could possibly say. The time frame is months to years rather than, um, I should have done my homework. Look it up online, as a very good website, that will tell you. Um, so it's, it's, not, it's not immediate this thing is going, is going to appear. And it seems to be like a six-month period now where opposition can be, can be rallied to it and, uh, and hopefully a wider debate. It would just be really nice to have uh, a proper debate amongst concerned Londoners. They were just opening up so people are really aware of what they're getting. Because it's very, it's very mom and apple pie. It's very, we're building this beautiful golden bridge, isn't it pretty? And, and people go, yeah, of course, that's lovely. And factor in uh, Joanna Lumley being a part of the Factoring, picture. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's very hard for me with, uh, with, with, with her you know, growing up to the new avenues and whatever. It's kind of, it's very, it's very, yeah, the, the, Joanna, the Joanna Lumley factor um, is, is another thing that is it. So, but it just does seem to be talked about in a, a slightly closed community of people. I mean, there is a history to it, because originally the proposal was to have it on the site of the eye uh, as a memorial to Lady Di. That was, that was the original incarnation of this, and the, the London Eye essentially nobbled that space before it could be done. So the, this idea is not new. The Heatherwick design is new, but the, the, the actual concept of a garden bridge is um, some sort of um, plant-based crossing is not new. It's just... Um, come to fruition around here and it, I, I suppose it, I, I think maybe Mayor Johnson sees it as a, as a legacy project as a, something he's left behind um, but not the, well, it's the Boris Bridge then it's got to be hasn't it well it, it probably would become known as that yes but doesn't uh, it the original uh, sighting of it like that being with, it, with that proximity to Westminster Bridge really gives the lie to the idea that it's meant as a serious piece of transport infrastructure yes yeah, so I, I, I suppose I mean in, in a sense that uh, Sam Wanamaker had an idea for an art bridge between uh, Blackfriars Road Bridge and Blackfriars Rail Bridge, where the where the where the supports of the bridge are, uh, where the red supports, and they have to stay there because if they move them, the tide starts mucking around with the Blackfriars Bridge. So they're there for so you can't take them away. And he had this idea of putting statues on the top of there and a little crossing there. But the primary function of it was art, and it was uh, I think it was like Jason the Argonauts, these kind of giant statues of great Londoners would greet you in a slightly neo-Stalinist way coming if you can mix the uh, Iniad and Stalin, I'm not sure you can but um, the, the idea that there be these giant statues on the bridge, and I don't think that will be open all the time but that was definitely an art project rather than a transport solution and again you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't need one whereas this is raiding what a better term, TfL's transport budget to help pay for it and I, th- I think that, that's the sort of thing that needs to be nailed if it isn't a transport solution, come clean on it, get the money from elsewhere and debate about it. While I was preparing for this, I was thinking, have I seen a garden bridge anywhere else? And um, I think I have in London. I might have imagined this, but I seem to remember beetling through Mile End and looking up, and I'm pretty sure there was a flyover that's been converted into a nature reserve. There's a long park in Mile End, isn't there? Yeah, there is that. I mean, I love one of the ideas, I mean, it actually was Albert Bridge, was to make Albert Bridge close it to traffic and green up for I was the only way I can describe it and, and put loads of plants on garden and so that, that, was, that was one consideration from years ago which, which would meet the transport solution still because again you've got people who are able to walk across and cycle across and take their dogs across um, so they can pee on it and corrode it um, it's a very I, Albert Bridge closed one time it had to be fixed because so many dogs were peeing on it 
and the wooden the wooden underneath got rotted away so much they had to fix it. Uh, civil engineering major paper question three: How many dogs? Does How many it take? dogs does it take to corrode a bridge with a wooden with a wooden understructure? Um, <laughs> well, I imagine there's a lot of dog owners in Chelsea going to Battersea and Battersea going to Chelsea. So, I think I think we're talking tens of thousands of dogs over time. A lot of urine, a lot of uprights for them to pee against. Can't wait till they get in the park. Uh, well, there's an all too obvious link between that and the question of whether our money is being well spent on the garden bridge, but I will. Uh, You're going to refrain from that particular gag, aren't <laughs> I will you? leave that <laughs> hanging. I, I think some hanging baskets on the side of Waterloo Bridge would do just fine. I, 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 think, I think it would. If you look on tcos.org.uk website, they, they've got kind of mock ups and views it'll change, but I'm not all. I, I do. I don't want to be presented as a kind of. I, I, I love London, I love it's changing, I know it needs to change, it always evolves, there's, there's wonderful things in here. I just feel this is taking liberties, this is just, that's probably how I feel. In both senses of the word, financial and uh, public access. It's time, I'm afraid, for us to get on our camels. Chris Roberts, how can people uh, find you? Uh, they can find <laughs> they can find me, I, I'm on London Street Tours for the walking tour. The bridge site is... Um, slightly more complicated I, I would go on the street tour site and ask about the bridge tour if you're interested in that that's probably the best way londonstreettours.co.uk if you put in cross river traffic in Amazon you'll you know what you'll get the book there you go Chris Roberts thanks very much my heart and that is all for this week. My thanks for this week to Chris Roberts. Thanks, too, to Bernie Barclay. Theme and incidental music was by Songs from the Howling Sea. I'm in Quentin Wolfe. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.